0: Hello and welcome to the Revived Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazinga. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. It's time now to fight, to stand up for the things of God. Today, Pastor Todd explains about the gates of hell from Matthew 16. What does that really mean? Why did he say that the gates of hell will not prevail? Pastor Todd shows us that the church is supposed to be on the offensive against the kingdom of hell. It's time for the church to stand up in Jesus' name against the forces of darkness and death. We are fully equipped with all that we need in the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information.
1: Y'all ready to get into it? All right. Hey, we have been talking a lot lately about territory, about territory and taking territory and what is the role of the church Uh, And and as Jan was talking about earlier, and as you've heard us talk about for a while, we believe it's time for the church to stand up and get active in our community, in our government, in our world, that no longer can we be the passive Christians who sit back and try to be moralistically good, but it's time for us to fight. It's time for us to stand up for the things of God. And today I want to talk about the gates of hell. The gates of hell. I'm going to take it out of Matthew 16, starting in verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Jesus is talking. Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my father who is in heaven... Now watch this. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it, will not prevail against it, your version may say. But I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in hell. Oh, there's a bunch here. There's a bunch here, and we're going to take it apart and figure out what this means for you and I. Because if you'll notice, he said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give you To the kingdom of heaven and the gates of hell will not overpower it, will not prevail it, and that you can bind and loose on earth. And you'll notice that when he said the kingdom is of heaven and the binding and loosing that you're going to do is on earth, I'm going to give you the kingdom of heaven and what you bind and loose on earth is bound and loosed in heaven. So there is a kingdom of heaven and there is a kingdom of this world. And I think we kind of miss that because we're so focused on the kingdom of heaven that we don't think much about the kingdom of this world. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, it says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing In in their case whose God of this world, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, Let me show you again in John 12, verse 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sake. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men. To myself. Do you see the two spiritual kingdoms that he's talking about? He says there's a kingdom of heaven for those who believe and then there's a kingdom that is of and on this world, a kingdom of this world. That's Satan's kingdom, the kingdom that is of this world. And what separates the two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven from the kingdom of hell? What separates those two is the gates there are gates that separate the kingdom of heaven from the kingdom of this world. Now, just think about that. Why did he say that the gates will not prevail against the church? Why didn't he say the demons will not prevail against the church? Why didn't he say evil will not prevail? Or why not the enemy? Why did he say the gates? will not prevail against the church. I want to explain that to you by first looking at what is a gate. A gate is a stationary item. You may have a gate to protect your home. You go to Disney World, and guess what? You have to go through the gates to get into it. If you want to go to a ball game, you got to go through the gates of the ballpark to get into it. They are a stationary thing, and it makes sense that what they're doing is protecting something that's inside the gates. You put gates up to keep people out from something you want to protect inside, and these are the gates of hell. What's being protected inside the gates of hell? That would be Death. That would be the grave, that would be bondage, that would be destruction, that would be all of those things that are of Satan and his demonic realm in this world are all protected by gates. And guess what? These gates of Hades, you know what they try to keep out? The kingdom of heaven. They are protecting the things of death and destruction from the kingdom of heaven. Mm -mm -mm. Let me just drop this bomb up front so we can get straight into it, okay? You ready? All right. You are given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you have access to all of the resources of the kingdom of heaven. If I have the keys to the gate of heaven, it means I can enter in at my will. I can go in. I have access through the keys given to me. There is also a kingdom of this world, and guess what? It has gates, and if those gates cannot hold up, they cannot overpower, they cannot prevail against the church, then guess what that means for the church? church we're on the offensive oh you didn't hear me there are gates protecting bondage and death and destruction and Jesus is saying those gates cannot prevail or overpower the church what does that mean that the church is supposed to come against those gates Mm, you'll be with me in a minute you have the keys to the kingdom that is not of this world and because you have access to that you can reuse the resources of the kingdom of heaven to go against the kingdom of this world and it cannot overcome or overpower you i want you to think this through what did jesus tell them after he was crucified in revelation 1 17 and 18 we hear this John sees this. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. Who are we talking about? Always say Jesus. Who are we talking about? Good. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Jesus talking and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Uh Uh-oh. 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 He's saying, I will give to my disciples the kingdom of heaven, and by the way, I have the kingdom, the keys to the gates of hell and death. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and you have access to the keys of death and Hades. And how can hell prevail against you if you have access to everything in the kingdom of heaven and you have access to the gates of hell through Jesus? I'm gonna change somebody's life this morning. It said, whatever is bound in heaven can be bound here in the kingdom of hell. You remember I said, there was a kingdom of heaven where things are bound and now you can bound them on earth. Stay with me. Whatever is loosed in heaven can now be loosed in the kingdom of hell. Why? Because you have the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and that includes access to the keys of the kingdom of hell. And because you have access to all of the resources of heaven, the gates of the kingdom of hell cannot stop you from entering in and defeating it. This phrase... Overpower or prevail. The gates of hell will not overpower or prevail. In the Greek, that's kodoskul. What does kodoskul mean? It means to be superior in strength. And for something to show a superiority in strength, something has to come against it to challenge its strength. Are you with me? So there must be pressure against the gates of hell so that we will know they will fail wow I'm going to say that again there must be pressure against the gates of hell so that we learn that they will not prevail and they will not overpower our pressure are you with me The gates of hell are protecting the things of death. So for the gates of hell to overpower, they would have to have a superior strength to the church's force against them. In other words, the gates are supposed to hold the kingdom of heaven back from entering the kingdom of this world, but if they cannot overpower the church, then the church can go right through the gates of hell. Man, some of you are worried. You're thinking, where is he going with this? I'm trying to help you understand what authority Christ has given you in this world. He's talking about binding things in this world where the ruler of this world has a kingdom, but the gates of that kingdom are not secure because they cannot overcome or prevail against our aggression. You see this same conversation about gates in the Old Testament. I'm going to show this to you because that's always a physical picture of what's going on in the spiritual. God says this to Abraham in Genesis 22. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. Now watch. And your seed, the seed of Abraham, of which we are grafted into, shall possess the gate of their enemies. He's telling Abraham that the seed of Abraham will possess the gates of the enemy. If you possess the gate of the enemy, you can come and go in his territory as you wish. I'm not talking about to sin. I'm not talking about going to the kingdom of darkness. I'm talking about going in to conquer, to defeat, to rescue, to bring salt and light. You know the story in the Old Testament of Jacob and the ladder that he saw in a dream. He explains that this is access to heaven in Genesis twenty-eight seventeen. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. What did Jesus say? I give to my disciples the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells Nathaniel that he, Jesus, is the ladder to that gate. In Genesis 28:12, I had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top was reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Go to John 1:51. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Do you see the connection? Jacob has a dream. He says, I'm at the very gate of heaven. And there's a ladder that goes up. And Jesus says, I'm that ladder. I'm giving you access to the gate of heaven. So you see this same kind of thing. When you find the gate of heaven, you're entering into the kingdom of God. But you're given the keys. Now you can go about taking the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of this world. In Matthew seven thirteen. Enter through the narrow gate, that's the kingdom of heaven gate, for the gate that is wide, that's the kingdom of this world, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. It's a tough statement when you start thinking about what he just said. He just said there's a narrow gate into the kingdom of heaven. But there's a broad and wide gate into the kingdom of this world that is death and destruction, and many go there. Let me ask you something. Do more people go through a broad gate than a narrow gate? Then more people will be consumed by the kingdom of this world than the kingdom of heaven. Therefore... Because we have keys, we can walk into the kingdom of hell and we can rescue people from it. And what we just found out is there are many people to rescue. And that gate cannot prevail against us. Why? Because we are the church and the church has been given the authority i want to show you an example of how he plays this out as a picture in New Testament scripture. You're going to see the process of going into the gates of hell, going and rescuing someone out and bringing them into the kingdom of heaven. It's in um, Luke, I'm sorry, Acts 5, 18 through 20. The apostles are in jail in verse 18. They laid hands on the apostles and they put them in a public jail. Who? The enemy grabbed the apostles and put them in jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out. Oh, I don't know if you're seeing this. You could replace taking them out with loosing them. Loosing them, he said, go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. I don't know if you just saw it, but the kingdom angel walked straight into a place of bondage, opened the gates, and rescued the apostles from the enemy. This is a picture. This is a picture for you and I to grab what? we're doing in the kingdom of heaven while we're in this world. I don't know if you see it, but the pressure has to be applied to the gates before they will submit to the greater power of the church. How do we do that? We bind and loose. We bind and loose, but we bind and loose what we have access to that's already bound and loosed a lot of confusion about the scripture. Here's where I think we go. We know what's of God and what's not of God. And we have access to the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And it says the things there are bound that we can now bind on this earth. Let me ask you, are there any demons in heaven? No, then they can be bound on this earth. Is there joy and rejoicing in heaven? then it can be loosed on this earth. Whatever is bound shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose shall have been loosed in the heavens. What are those kind of things we're binding and loosing? I go back simple, really simple to Galatians 5, Galatians five sixteen. But I say to you, walk by the spirit and you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for they're in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, he said, don't walk by the flesh. Here's the deeds of the flesh. Immorality. Oh, uh, I'm asking you in the kingdom of this world, is there any immorality? Come on, is there any immorality that needs to be bound because immorality is bound in heaven? Impurity, sensuality, my word, I would not let your kids listen to the music folks of today. Word, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is he describing? our world the kingdom of this world we're in the kingdom of heaven but we're surrounded by the kingdom of this world who presents all of these things as good as normal as what we should desire as what we see on tv as what we hear in the radio as what we should consider acceptable and if we were christians and if we were believers we would just tolerate anybody doing what anybody wants to do but i'm hearing that these things are in the kingdom of this world and the gates can be busted open by the church and we can step in and change those things 22 but the fruit of the spirit remember he said don't walk in the flesh walk by the spirit here are the things of the flesh the things in the kingdom of this world here are the things in the spirit But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I've preached this before, but I want to remind you of it today. Most of Christianity today is trying to be kind. They are trying to be patient. They are trying to be at peace. Here's the problem. It's not your peace. It's not your patience. It's not your kindness. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And if I walk by the Spirit, His fruit is produced in me. I do not have to try to be moralistic. I have to try to submit to the Spirit so what is of Him will come through me. It is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Todd Mozingo. I cannot be patient without the Holy Spirit. So when I go into the kingdom of this world, as the church, my role is to bind what is ungodly and loose what is godly. Why? Because I have the authority to do it. I think it's awesome, Alicia. You didn't know what I was preaching on. She set that set up a couple weeks ago, and I'm listening to my sermon being preached out in front of her. I think it's beautiful because we call that unity in the spirit. (laughs) Luke 10, Jesus speaking. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are not rat snakes and bugs. Go to Revelation. Look at it. Who is the serpent? Satan. I'm sorry. This is the one time we don't say Jesus. (laughs) Satan. The scorpions are his demons. They're loosed in the last days. You can tread On the serpent and the scorpion and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Listen, over all the power of the enemy. Do you realize the conversation is authority and he's telling you you have it over power? Why? Because Satan and his demons have power. They do. They can wreck your life. They can make a mess of things. They can cause all kind of chaos and dissension. But guess what? You have the authority to shut that down. Authority is more important than power. Why? Because authority overrules power. I speak over the power and I shut it down because I have the authority over the power. So we push through the gate of hell, and we bind the demonic host on this earth. We loose people from the demonic host on this earth. We loose people from the ruler of this world. We bring them into the kingdom of God. So we bind the demon. Why? Because he's bound in the kingdom of heaven, and we set captive persons free. Why? Because there is freedom in Christ in the kingdom of heaven. It's not a far concept to think about earth being like heaven. It's not a long concept. Jesus tells us to pray this way. Pray them this way. Jesus telling you, this is how I want you to pray. They ask him, how should we pray? He said, this is how I want you to pray. Our father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give recognition first. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is he saying? Would you please pray that the way it is in heaven under God's will, it would be that way on earth. This is what he's calling us to do is bring heaven to earth, to bind the things that are on earth that are not in heaven, to loose the things on earth that are loosed in heaven. Why do we not do this? As church, as people, as Christians, as believers, why do we not see this? Why do we see the enemy taking so much territory in our country right now? The enemy taking so much territory. Why? Because the church is not trying to prevail against the gates. The church is not going into the kingdom of this world and saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not having that. We're going to put this in instead. We don't want to put up with that kind of immorality. We don't want to put up with those kind of decisions. We're going to step in and say, devil, you're shut down. We're going to loose the things of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Number one. Number one reason I don't think the church does today. Because we don't know that the kingdom of God is here. I'm just going to be honest with you. Bad doctrine has taught us that we're waiting for a future heaven. Bad doctrine has taught us that we need to be good people until he comes and rescues us. That we need to be long-suffering and waited out until he comes to get us. Ah. Watch. The children of Israel are in Egypt. Egypt. They are in bondage in Egypt. They are enslaved in Egypt. God sends a savior, a man named Moses. He takes them out of there. He covers their sin with the blood of the lamb and he releases them. And you would think they're free, right? It's all good now. No, they're going across the desert as runaway slaves still afraid of the enemy. They get to the sea. The enemy is now drowned and abolished. They're good to go, right? No, they're still whining and complaining because they don't have enough to eat. They go to the promised land, and this is what we say. Oh, I get the picture. When they step over into the promised land, that's like you and I going to heaven one day. So here's what it is. We're waiting for the promise of heaven. We're waiting for the promised land, and that's heaven. That's what believers do. That's what that picture's showing us. No, that's wrong. Because once they crossed the river, they had to fight to gain the territory. What is he saying? I've given you a promised land. Now go conquer it. He's saying you have come into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God, and now it's time for you to conquer uh, territory because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Consider Matthew 10, 6 through 8. As you go, Jesus says, preach this, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a good message. Look what he follows it up with. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out the demon freely you've received now freely give i want you to think about this this is what he's telling his followers this is what he's telling the disciples when i'm gone i want you to go preach and when you go preach that the kingdom of heaven is here heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the leopard cast out the demon are we supposed to go and preach today yes are we supposed to go and preach that the kingdom is here Yes, it's what he said to do. Are we supposed to heal, raise, cleanse, and cast out as we go? Yes, it's what we're supposed to do. Why? Hear me out. Grab this. Why? Because it is a demonstration of the kingdom that is here. Oh, you got to think about this. Think about what Jesus is thinking when he's saying it. He's saying, I want you to go tell everybody the kingdom is at hand and then heal and cast out. Why didn't he say, I want you to go tell everybody the kingdom is hand, and one day they're gonna be healed, and they're gonna have joy, and the demons will leave them alone, because one day I'll, I'll take you to heaven. No, because he's saying, I want you to go preach that the kingdom is here, I want you to demonstrate the power of the kingdom, and I want you to take over the enemy. It's not a future kingdom. Listen, we stepped over when you came to know Christ into the promised land, into the kingdom of God. Now you gotta take that enemy out and guess what? His gates can't prevail against your force. Number two, second reason I don't think the church stands up and goes against the kingdom of this world. We don't know our authority. We don't know our authority. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me. Let me ask you a question. If all authority is given to Jesus, who else has authority? Nobody. Nobody. He has all authority. It's been given to him in heaven and on earth. If you want to understand that, go look at some past messages. He took authority over the earth from Satan. Therefore, 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 because all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. I don't know if you're seeing this, but he's talking to his disciples. He says, I have all authority now, therefore you can go and make disciples and I want you to teach them what I taught you. What did he teach them? Go cleanse the leper, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out the demon. That's what he commanded them to do. And he's saying, when you go teach the kingdom, you teach them to do that. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on the serpents and the scorpion, all the power of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy. I have all authority, so you are over all the power of the enemy. Number three, why is the church not standing up and going against the kingdom of this world? Because we're deceived by the enemy. Because we're deceived by the enemy. Would it come as a shock to anybody That the enemy would not want us to understand authority. Would it come as any shock to anybody that the enemy would not want us to work in our authority? I want you to think this through in your own home. If you had an enemy and that enemy had keys to your house, do you want them to believe that those keys still work? No. If you had an enemy and that enemy had a power to blow your front door down, would you want them to believe that they had the power to do that? No. If your enemy could come into your house and set up everything to their liking, do you want them to know that you can't stop them? No. This is what the enemy is doing to the believer today. See, you don't have that authority. You're not Jesus. You can't do that stuff. You can't come against me. I've got so much power. I'll make your life a mess. You come on. I'll make your life a mess. Because we don't understand the authority that we have. Satan is a deceiver. Listen, this is why I said last week that I believe one of the major jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict the church of its righteousness. You have right standing with God. Therefore, access to the things of the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to take you there. We've covered this before, but you need to hear it again. John 16. Jesus is meeting with his disciples. He's telling them, I must leave and go sit at the right hand of the Father, but I'm sending you the helper. 16.8. And when he comes, he will convict the world. That's everybody concerning these three things sin righteousness and judgment here's where we miss it church concerning sin wait a minute he said i'm gonna the holy spirit's gonna come and he's convicting of these three things but then he stops and says let's look at them one at a time concerning sin because they do not believe in me If Jesus is sitting with a group of people, does he look at them and said, they do not believe in me? No, these are his disciples he's talking to. He says, they do not believe in me. Those in the world who do not believe in me, they need to be convicted concerning their sin. Why? Because it's separating from God. Why? Because they need redemption. Why? Because they need what Christ did on the cross to reconcile them. Then he goes on and says, concerning righteousness. Okay, we talked about sin. Sin is for those who don't believe. It's they, not you. But look at righteousness concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you no longer see me Now he's talking to the people who are in front of him Not they he says i'm going to go to the father and you're not going to see me anymore Therefore you need to be convicted that you are righteous Why? Because if I'm not convicted of my righteousness, doubt creeps in. Deception creeps in. Timidity creeps in. I'm not sure I'm right with God. God, are you okay with me? God, did you really give me authority? God, can I really work in the things that you've given me to do? I'm really not sure. I need conviction that I am righteous before God. You have to be convicted of your righteousness because Jesus is no longer here. Therefore, the Holy Spirit convicts you that you can walk in God's favor. Christians, stop. Stop talking about why is God mad at me? Stop talking about what did I do wrong? You have the favor and the righteousness of God on you. You are covered in a robe of righteousness. You are hidden in Christ. He wants you to know what you have available. You have right standing with God. You have authority in the kingdom of God. You can crash the gates of hell. that Those gates cannot stand against our pressure, and we can bind the things of the enemy that need to be bound, and we can loose the things of heaven into this earth. The church has access to everything because it has the keys to the kingdom of heaven and Jesus Christ has the keys to death and hell. Therefore, how could we be defeated? We've already won. We already have complete access. We have authority. We have the keys. We have the power. Church, church, where's the camera pointing out there? Church, listen to me. If we do not stand up as the church, it does not get better. It gets worse. I was speaking to a man last night about this crazy corona year we've gone through, the COVID mess, okay? I'm telling you, I am proclaiming to the church and anyone who would hear me that the COVID thing is a dress rehearsal. The question is, will the church stand up? And I would have to sadly say, during COVID, the majority of the church did not stand up. And it's time for the church to stand up. <laughs> hey, 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 lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Father God, in this house, we are submitted and committed to you. We receive the authority that you have given to us. We are not intimidated by the enemy, and we will sit down no longer. It is time to conquer the land. We will bind what needs to be bound. We will loose what needs to be loose, and we will operate in our authority because you have already defeated the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. 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 This is what I see. This, you, can stay, you can remain standing. It's okay. You can stay standing. You can stay standing. I won't be long. I promise. This is what I see. I see an example coming out of Stewart, Florida. Yes. I see a church that stands up against the unrighteousness in this land. I see a church that gets involved in the government to bring godly values to government. I see a church where the sick get healed, the dead get raised, the captive gets set free, and the leper gets cleansed. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to tell you where I am. I have grown up in all of those fundamental churches, okay? I've pastored some of them, and all I have found is being a good moralistic person is impossible without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, the church is empowered to do what it was called to do. Go back. Go back and read, read, read when they went into the promised land. And God said, I've given you the territory. I'll tear the walls down of Jericho. You stay righteous and faithful to me, and I'll send them one at a time with fire and brimstone from heaven. I'll hold the sky in the day so that you can continue to fight. We are fully equipped to do this, church. We just have to make the decision. It's our territory. It belongs to the kingdom of heaven, and we're not going to let the kingdom of hell have it anymore.
0: Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at What if, in our attempt to get something from Scripture, we are missing the point of that Scripture? What if, in our desire to do better and walk our Christianity more closely in line with Scripture, we are missing what the Scripture is about? Pastor Todd's latest book, Flip the Script, takes a fresh look at what the Scripture's are meant to teach us about the kingdom of God, so that application comes from spiritual understanding instead of behavior modifications. This new book is available now on Amazon, Flip the Script. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.